All right, three questions. First question, who are you? The second question, what happened? And the third question is, where is he? So, you know, you can only answer these questions one after the other had happened to you. So the first question that was asked him was, who are you? But this is the question that was not phrased this way. Who was he? He was a blind man. But that was not the, the question that they asked. What was the question that was asked? Is not this he that sat and begged? We are defined not by who or what we look like. We are defined by what we do, our professions. You are a chef. You are an engineer. You are a scientist. You are a student. You are a son, a daughter. You are a worshiper. We are defined in the eyes of men by what we do. You come to your friend and you introduce someone and you say, he is a boy. They didn't say anything. And if you say, this is Johnny, they would say, so? But if your friends introduce you, this is a marvelous dancer. He's a great dancer. He's athletic. Then you know who this person is. We are defined by what we do, not what our names are, not whether we are a boy or a girl or where we come from. We are defined by what we do. So this man who was born blind, he sat at the gate every day and did what? And begged. That's what they know him to be. So the first thing they ask him is, is this not the man, not that he was blind, is this not the man that begged? Is this not, in another word, a vernacular term, are you not a beggar? This must be that beggar at the gate. If I call you a beggar, you get offended? Most of us do. We might not get offended if we were called blind, but we get offended if we get called a beggar. You see people on the street with the signs? Who are they? We call them homeless. We don't call them beggar because that's a derogatory term. What did they do standing in the corner of the street? They beg. The proper term, I'm not saying that you should call them beggars. Today, you associate yourself of someone who's in this stature and then someone who is out on the corner of the street begging and I call you a beggar, you get offended. So why do you call me a beggar? Let me propose this. If you are blind, then you are a beggar because that's all you know what to do. See, he was born blind. His parents there. They were there. They were in the story. They were part of his life. What did they do for him? They took him and they placed him at the gate. They told him, they give him some instruction. When you hear people come by, it's just the concept of people. What's people? He, did, he never seen anyone before in his life. Do this, arms, help, please. That's what you should say. That's how he has been taught. That's how he's been raised. That's who he is. That's his definition of life. Because he was blind or because he was born blind, his profession was begging. If this story superimposed over our lives and we are blind to God's kingdom, we cannot see God's kingdom, is it not fitting that I say to you that we are all beggars? Regardless of how we feel about that term, we are beggars. We sit here in the world. We can't get into the kingdom of God because we cannot see it. We don't know how to interact with people in the kingdom of God 
the only way that we will survive until the end is that we beg. But we don't accept that term. No, I'm not a beggar. I can't be a beggar. I'm still living. Realize something happens in this story. They ask him, was he not the one that sat there and begged? They didn't ask him, was that a blind man? No, because what happened to him, his condition caused him to do what he did. That's always been taught all of our lives. If you go through our educational system, what did they teach you? They teach you to beg. That's all the world can teach us. They teach us to beg. We beg our bosses to beg through various means. We might simplify the term or complicate the term or obfuscate the term. We might change it so that we feel better, but in the end, we're begging. We're begging for the morsel of life that we think that we deserve because we cannot see. If you can see, then you don't have to beg. If you can see spiritually, then you don't have to be here. You will be in the kingdom of God. But the fact that we are outside the kingdom of God and the world lays in darkness, in sin, we beg for our lives. We beg for the next moments of our lives. They ask this man, are you the one that begged? He could have said no. Nine out of ten people would say no. Ten lepers came to Christ. He healed them. Only one came back. Yes, I was a leper. I was healed. Now I am here to give thanks. They have given this beggar an opportunity to deny what happened to him. And he did not deny. There's so many professing Christians today deny their faith because people ask, were you a sinner? And we say, it's not very far from a lot of people today. What this story convey? Jesus passed by this man, you see. He sat there how long? How long has he been sitting there? All of his life. How many people have he seen? A lot of people. And what did they do for him? Absolutely nothing. He continues to beg every single day of his life. If Jesus did not show up, he continues to beg until the day that he died. Just like how I drove down, saw the man with the sign there, I rolled down my window and paid my conscience due, give him a dollar, and I drove away. I didn't do him any good. What, I, what did I do? I paid my own conscience so I feel better by driving away because I feel so guilty. The light takes so long to turn green. So I paid my due so that I drive away, but I didn't make his life better. I cannot make his life better. I'm only making myself in that instance just feel a little bit better. This beggar's life, this blind man, is like that. Who did he look to? He looked to people like me, you know, who feel remorse, who feel a sense of anxiety. I need to, you know, the lights, I, I hope, I wish it was green, but it's red, so I'm stuck here. He's there, he's looking at me. I, I feel responsible that I need to give him something. So I give it to him, but it was not for him, it was for me. So I feel better. So what I do is for me. There are many people who saw him sitting there at the gate begging. A lot of people will say, that's not my problem. And actually, if I give to him, then he will be my problem. I'm contributing to his beggary. A lot of us think that. I'm not here to say whether that's right or wrong. There are some that says, you know what, I'm going to help out. They're not helping him. He will be a beggar regardless whether or not you give him money or not. He will still be a beggar. But why is he begging? Because he can't see. No one can open the eyes of a blind man. 
We cannot, I cannot get out of my car and say, you know what, I'm going to take you out of poverty. You no longer have to beg again uh, on the street. I can't do that. I wish I could think about that when I drive by. I wish I can get out and I can, in the name of Christ, change this man's condition. I wish I'm able to do that, but I didn't. All I thought about is my own mind, my own self, my own anxiety at the, at the moment. And that's who we are. This man sat there all his life. If Jesus did not walk by, there are tens of thousands walk by his life and he remained a beggar. They give him some money here and there, but he remains a beggar the next day, day after that, the day after that. Nothing would happen to him because no one can open his eyes because that's what he needs. No one in the world today can open our eyes. You can be sitting there. I can say a lot of things to you. I cannot open your eyes until Jesus Christ come, open your eyes, enlighten you to the kingdom of God. And so this is the condition that we're in. And until Jesus walked by, and listen to this, Jesus walked by, his disciple asked him, saying, Master, he's sitting there. Jesus walked by with this massive crowd who adore him. They walked by this man. And this is a different story than the story of the blind Bartimaeus. He called out. This man has no idea what's going on. He's blinder than Bartimaeus. So he sat there and this is what I believe happened. Jesus walked by and he stopped and he's looking at this man and he didn't say a word. All the people with him, what did they do? It's like sitting in the car. You are a passenger. I'm the driver. We're coming down the street and there's a beggar on the side of the street. The passenger gets nervous and then we stop talking altogether. We become very silent because we're both very nervous about what should we do in this situation. So his disciple saw the miracles and the wonders that Jesus did. Jesus walked to this blind man and he stopped. And so his disciples became very, very nervous. What should we do? Judas, where's the bag? Bring the bag. You have the money, right? Give him something. I think that's what the Lord would want. But no, that's not what Jesus wanted. He was there for something. And I believe he stopped and I believe he just looked at the man. Why? There are numerous other stories that tells you that Jesus didn't say anything. Just look at the person. And it caused us so, to be so uncomfortable. The silence. And his disciples, in that silence, what did they say? You know, he is not our problem. This is what they're saying. Whose fault is it that he's sitting there? Is it his fault that he was born blind? Or was it his parents' fault? You see, the way that we escape from our responsibility, lay the blame on the person or lay the blame on someone relating to him. That's what his disciples said. So imagine this story. Jesus stopped, look at the man, he didn't say anything, his disciples got nervous. What do we do now? So his disciples, someone, maybe Peter, who's very vocal, said, Master, let's have a theological discussion on the subject. Whose fault is this that this man was born blind? Was it his fault or his parents' fault? Certainly not my fault, certainly not our fault, it must be his fault or someone that's not related to us, so let's get out of here. He's not our problem. This is what that story is about. We disown people around us. We disown ourselves by denying the problem. And the problem is what? 
in chapter 8, people believe that they were Abraham's descendants, and therefore, they have no sin. So many of us believe that we are born in Christian family. We are okay. He said, no, the sin did not come from you, nor was it come from Abraham. It came all the way from Adam. Not only the Jewish people had sin, but everyone, all of humanity have sin. So whose problem is it? It's our problem. It's not him. It's not his, his parents. It's our problem. We are part of this collective. We are part of his problem. We can't save him, so what do we do? We drop in some money, we look at someone and we say, you know what, someone else can save you, and it's not me. Someone else will witness Christ to you, and it's not gonna be me. I'm not responsible for you. Someone else is. Maybe it's you, you need to go find Christ yourself, or maybe it's your parents need to introduce Christ to you. You're not my problem. This is how we behave. Imagine this is how people behave with you. Where would you be now? Still beggar. People pass by. It's your problem. It's your fault. It's your parents' fault. Then they pass by. We disengage ourselves from touching and helping what we should. And Jesus, what was he there to do? He was there to save. So he walked by this man all his life, probably in his 20 or 30s, 30 years sitting out there begging until Jesus Christ showed up. And this is what he said. Verse 3, neither has this man sinned nor his parents. You guys are thinking about this all wrong. He is God's problem. He is God's problem. Keep this in mind. This man is God's problem. He was, blind, he was born blind not because of him nor his parents. Your friend Sin, the guy who broke into, or the girl who broke into my car, the reason why they did it, not because of them, but it was because of the sin that is in them. It is the problem that only God can solve. Pay attention to this, there's a logic. He is God's problem. That is why no one all his life were able to open his eyes to solve his problem. They can give him money, you can say nice things to people and they feel like, you know, I feel like a Christian today. And then tomorrow, I feel like the devil. There's nothing change because the source of the problem is unable to see. And that is the only thing that God can do. We cannot do it. Here's God's problem. So what happened? God came in the form of Jesus Christ. He was there and the story didn't say that he received any money from Jesus. Did it? No. The reason why he's sitting there blind until this time is for this purpose. He is waiting for Jesus. All his life, he's been waiting for Jesus. Why are we still blind? We are waiting for Jesus. Until Jesus comes, we will remain blinded. And we still continue to beg. Our profession will be a beggar. And Jesus says the reason why he's blinded is so that there would be this encounter today. For the purpose God would make manifest in him. God, so that God could be manifested in him. That is why he's blind. Not that God made him blind, but sin made him blind, and God is here to show everyone, but most importantly, that man, 
that God is here to save him because God loves him and does not leave him in sin. That's it. That's why Jesus came there. That's why when Jesus was there, his eyes were open. But the answer to the first question needs to be affirmative, and it needs to be this. He answered them, and he said, they give him an opportunity. They said, this could be that beggar. And other says, it might not be him. Of course, once his eyes were open, he's no longer a beggar. But he said, no, I am he. I am the beggar. For you to come into spiritual illumination, for you to be able to see spiritually, you have to understand where you came from, who you are, or who you were. So if you say that I have no sin, look at verse 41. Jesus says to them, If ye were blind, ye should have no sin. But now ye say, We see, therefore our sins remaineth. He's not speaking just to the blind man. He's speaking to everyone there. He's saying, you are all blind, but you just don't accept it. You're all beggars. You just don't accept it. Until we come and accept that we are sin. Remember when David met Nathan, and Nathan said, you are the sinner. What did David do? I have sinned against the Lord. It is I, and I alone have sinned against the Lord. We have to come to accept that we are a sinner before a gracious God. If there's any moment in your mind today when you hear this and you say, but I'm not a sinner, I'm a good person. What you are essentially saying is that I'm not blind. I don't need a savior. And Jesus says, then your sin will remain. God says, we are all sinners. But so many of us, the way we witness is this. Believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. He will save you, he will heal you, he'll give you everything you want. We rarely ever say, you're a sinner. You need a savior. Because why? It upsets people when we say, you're a beggar. That's the only way. And they ask him, are you that beggar? And he said, yes, I am that beggar. And of course, when he says, I'm the beggar, what's the next question? Well, what happened to you? Second question in your life is the one that people ask, what is your testimony? What did God do to you, for you? What has been done for you? As a blind man, it's pretty simple. But why did they ask him? What happened? So the second question, follow with me. How were thine eyes open? How were they open? They want to know the mechanics of how your eyes were open. How did you get saved? If I ask you today, how did God save you? Can we answer that? Can we answer how did God save you? How did God save me? Do we have the answer to that? I know some of you sitting here, you're so lost. I have no idea why I'm here. I don't know how God saved me. Then the question should be answered is the question before that I am blind. I was a beggar. If you are, then are you still a beggar or now you're free? That's the next question I would ask. Now you say you're free, evidently people are not looking at the blind man and say, well, were you blind? They didn't ask that. They asked, were you a beggar? And he said, yes, I am a beggar. I'm no longer a beggar because I can see. So if I ask you today, if God has saved you, can you see? Are you still begging the world? If you're not, then where is your testimony? The next question they're going to ask you, well, how did it happen? How did he open your eyes? How did he save you? Can we answer that? 
there's a reason for our blindness, and the reason for our blindness is so that the work of God might be manifested in us for this very simple reason. Because he said, I must work the works that him that sent me, verse 4, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ has 33 years to live on this earth, and in the last three years, he did the work, and after that, he goes to the cross. It's over for him. It ends his ministry here on earth, but God still works. God continues to work until when? Until Jesus comes back. So what's going on here when Jesus says, I have to do my Father's work? Because Jesus, when he was on earth, he was an instrument that did God's work. And he can only do it while he was alive. When he died, he can no longer do the work. But God's work is not finished. So who's going to do the work when Jesus is no longer here? That's right. But the disciples, they were all blind. Even the one who were able to see, look at this blind man and had no idea. Whose sin was this? Is it his sin or his parents' sin? They were all blind. So what did Jesus have to do? He had to open our eyes because he was only going to be here for 33 years and it was approaching his end. It was going to be sunset for him soon. This is the work that he's doing and this is the work we are part of this miraculous work that God has done throughout the generations that came before us. You and I, we're sitting in this room. We are witnesses of the continuing work of God that transcends generations and lives. Isn't that incredible? You are sitting here. I'm talking about Jesus Christ who died millennia ago. But because I'm still talking about him, his work is still here. God's work is still with you and it's still with me. For the work of God be manifested in him. Jesus planted God's work in this blind man's life so that it could be manifested when he is no longer around. The torch is passed. Jesus famously say this in chapter 9 and also in chapter 8. He said, I am the light of the world. Does that sound familiar? In chapter 8, he said, those who walk with me shall never walk in darkness. So therefore, not only Jesus is the light, but he says that you are the light of the world. So how does the light in Christ that open the blind man's eyes to see becomes our light? Because when your eyes are open, what do you see? The glory of God transcends to you and now you become children of light. You are now the light bearers. So that is how the work of God continues after Jesus died. One day, you don't believe this, you will die. I know most of you are sitting there like, no, that's not going to happen to me. Cryogenic I will be perfected in my generation. I'll cut off my head, I put it into a freezer, and maybe we can effectively clone human, you know, I'll come back alive. Not going to happen, I guarantee you. Not going to happen, you'll die. Sorry, this is a simple fact of life, but I'm sure you all know that. What happened after you die? You cease to exist. Oh, I'm not. Christ is still in me. Christ has transcended all this generation from the apostle, from Peter, from John, Paul. Now that same light, that same Christ, it is inside of me. 
Can you say the same thing? Is it inside of you? Do you have a witness? Do you have a testimony? What had happened to you? The blind man said, you know what? I don't know. I was blind. I couldn't see him. I know his name was Jesus. I know that. And then he spit on the ground. He mixed the mud. He put it on my eyes. And then go to the pool. Wash your eyes. And then I wash and then I see. Well, that's how it happened. That's his testimony. What is your testimony? How did God save you? How did God open your eyes? I hate my father. I hated him dearly. When he comes home, I want to go away. When he goes away, I come out of my room. I hate him. That's my testimony. And when I sat there and I asked God, what kind of animal am I if I cannot love the one who gave birth to me? I'm not fit to live. I was begging for life. And as I stood there, something happened. This hate that I feel for my dad is gone. I don't know how it but I, I knew I was a different person. There was the definitive mark that something fundamentally changed in me that I say, that's what happened to me. That's how Christ opened my eyes and now I'm here. I would never stand here today doing this if that didn't happen. It, this would never be possible if that didn't happen and that is my testimony. That's how the blind man said that was what happened to him and that's why he's here. What is your testimony? What did God do for you? How did he open your eyes? That is the question that you and I, we need to answer. What, hap- what is your testimony? How did God open your eyes? What were you before and how are you now? Am I still angry? Yes. Do I still have hate? Yes. Do I still sometimes get angry with my dad? Yes. All those things are positively answered. But I know this. I'm not the same person. I'm saved. I'm saved from that condemnation. I'm no longer, if I'm able to forgive him then, I am able to forgive him now. I was not able to forgive him then. And something happened to me. Jesus came, opened my eyes, and now I'm able to forgive. That is my testimony. I have Christ in me. The work of God continues to do. Why? Because there's forgiveness that comes out of me. That is Christ, not me. That's the light of Christ that should be in each one of you and I. We need to have the testimony of Christ inside of us so that when we come and people said, what happened to you? And you can say, this is what happened to me. This is how Jesus opened my eyes and that I can see. Then the last question is this. He says, where is he? Where's this man? Where's Christ? Where's this Jesus? Interestingly, the question was this. Where is he? If you say that he opened your eyes, well, show me where he is. You know why they didn't ask, who is he? Because it's really not important who he is. But today in the church, that's everything. Who is Christ? He is magnificent. He is this. He is that. We all extol who he is. But how many of us truly know where he is? Because that's more important. Where is Christ? Because why? There are a lot of blind people out there. They can hear about Christ, but until they see Christ, nothing happens. You're still dead in your sins. They're still blind until Jesus opened. Can we show them where Jesus is? We can tell them. He knew. Look at verse 11. He answered and said, A man that is called 
this man know Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Yes, you know Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, right? He was son of a carpenter. His mother was Mary. You even know the detail of his work. You even know when he died. You even know that he arose. We know about him. We know him. Do you know where he is? Do you know where Christ is? Where is he? And here, his answer. And they said unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. This is where we are as a church. This is where we are as individuals. We claim that we know who he is. We claim that we know a lot about Jesus Christ. But if I ask you today, where is Jesus? Can you point him out to me? Where is Jesus? Let me ask this question another way. Is Jesus here? He died. He died a long time ago. His essence, his image was shown in bodies just like you and I today through generation to men and women just like us or even worse off. They were visible inside Paul. Jesus was visible inside Peter, inside John. Jesus was visible in Stephen. Is Jesus visible inside this Paul? Can you see him here? Can you see him inside your own life? Where is Jesus? We need to know where he is. That's important to the world. Is Jesus here? Father, as I uh, confess to you my frailty like this man Lord I come to you and the question is asked where is he Lord the only thing that I can say I don't know I'm unsure I'm not I'm not positive that I can point out where you are so, Lord, have mercy on us today. Our eyes have been opened. We have a testimony. But today, Lord, our desire is to see you abiding in each one of us. Today, our desire, Lord, is that you be so visible in our lives that they look at us and they don't have to ask, where is he? Because he's right here. He's in the faces, in the lives, in the words, in the deeds, in the actions of every person in this room. That we don't have to say, He's over there, or He's over here. We can say, can't you see Him here? Is my life reflecting Jesus Christ today? Lord, this is our desire. This is my desire. It's that we won't be this great church, we won't have our names known to everyone, but that you would be manifested in ways that is just astounding to the human mind. How could Jesus Christ be shown through someone like me? But yet you are. And in those who are sitting in this room today, Lord, 
This is our pursuit. This is what we're aiming for. This is where we want to be. We want to come to a place where we say, the glory of Jesus Christ that is in me, I can see it. It's here. Despite my failures, despite my dishonesty sometimes, or most of the time, you're here forgiving, open the eyes of those areas that are still in darkness and let me see. It is truly, Lord, the grace so amazing. Save a wretch like me. Whereas I was blind, but now I can see. I can see so clearly. Lord, help save, come in this place and open our eyes that we could truly see Jesus Christ abiding, reigning, moving, manifesting, refracting in each one of the people who are in this room. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.